0: Welcome to Dramas with a Side of Kimchi, the fangirl party every drama fan wants to join. Grab your kimchi and face masks and let's chat Asian
1: dramas. I'm Carrie the Mockney. I'm Drama Geek. I'm K-Drama Jen. And I'm K-Muse. Don't forget that we have a Patreon page. We have a monthly episode we release exclusively for our patrons. You can find the link in your show notes. Our patrons also get an exclusive invitation to our Discord server, where we chat daily about the dramas we're watching, participate in group watches and support each other in our drama addictions
2: and we'd love to have you come join us. Okay well today's topic is we are going to podcast Castaway Diva episodes one through six. So if you haven't started it I'll give you a quick synopsis um, and this I think is from MDL correct me yes, if Yes it not. is. Perfect okay. <laughs> So Moká has always dreamt of becoming a singer. And during middle school, she ends up on a deserted island where she manages to survive alone for over 15 years. Well, we're kind of skipping a lot there, aren't we? But anyway, (laughs) (laughs) and when she's finally rescued, she must adjust to a world that has changed dramatically in her absence. While learning to navigate the complex social dynamics of modern society, Moka is determined to achieve her dream of becoming a singer, and she will stop at nothing to make it happen. I feel like, you know, if you haven't seen this, we really did skip a lot of, like, there's a lot of um, childhood nuances, trauma. Yeah, but there's childhood trauma that you kind of need to know about in order to understand it. And she was a super big fangirl um, back in the day, and that plays into this. So, um, but that's your general synopsis and then we'll we'll talk a little bit um more as we especially once we can share spoilers
0: i do have to say though that final sentence of the synopsis feels wildly off
2: yeah yeah
0: yeah that's not how she is
2: no (laughs) like they it's really more she'll stop at nothing to help her Childhood idol achieve fame and glory. So, Mm -hmm. uh, but it's fine. (laughs) It's it's you know it is what it is. Okay. We (laughs) all know
1: that synopsises are not always strong out in the drama land. So, yeah, yeah. All right. So we're gonna have a very quick spoiler free section, emphasis on the quick because we have so much to say about the first six episodes. And then, of course, in January, when we come back off of our December hiatus, we'll be concluding the podcast project with our review on episodes 7 through 12. And can I just say how much I'm loving these 12-episode dramas? They just seem so tight and better written. I'm just happy with them. But first off, why did we start this drama? And for me, I like the script writer. And it took me a little longer to get into this because I had a lot of stuff I had to finish for different podcasting projects and just stuff that I was watching individually before I started this. But I binged it all this week because I had to record today and I loved it. But I really like this script writer. She also wrote Pinocchio. I Hear Your Voice. Just a lot of shows that I've really enjoyed over the years. So she's a solid writer for me.
2: The only thing missing is Lee Jung Suk because of course he was <laughs> in all of those other dramas. That is true. It is a little While weird. While you were to watch sleeping. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> the only one that he wasn't in was that um startup one that they did that I didn't really like. Mm, That's yeah. the only one that she's written that I didn't enjoy. But other than that I've enjoyed them all.
3: Um I started it because of the same reason the writer And then also um, Park Geun-bin, like she's just nailed so many of her recent characters and everything that I had to check it out with for her
2: alone. Same, like a hundred percent Park Geun-bin, anything she's in, I'm definitely going to give it at least four episodes. And for the most part, like I always go beyond those four episodes because she's just, she's such an amazing and versatile actress. I will say in this drama, she's sort of channeling attorney woo at times where I'm kind of like, you know, I know she was a castaway on an island, but there are times where I'm like, she was a teenager. It wasn't like she didn't have social skills before, but I do understand she was like on a, you know, on a deserted island for many, many years. So maybe she lost some of that. But anyway. That's why I started it (laughs) and I'm so glad that I did because you know it's one of those dramas that so I was I actually started it I've been doing a lot of traveling so I was able to watch it like um, in the airport in between flights and I just need to give a quick shout out to somebody that I met in the airport who is also watching uh, Castaway Diva so uh, K-Drama Karen thanks so much for, you know, meeting up in the uh, airport. Um, but we were watching the same drama. So it was super fun to talk about. Anyway, that's why I started it because parkland did.
0: I have to say same. I was only kind of casually interested because like one of my husband's favorite movies is Cast Away with Tom Hanks. So I've seen it more times than um, I've wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, it's not that I'm over the Cast Away concept. I'm just like, kind of been there done that but for park and bin i will try anything and i was captivated almost immediately so yeah she's definitely the it factor for me
1: it also helped that the castaway part was very very short yes Yes. i mean if i had to watch her just meander around an island i mean i would do it but i would not be as entertained as i am with all the other stuff so kudos mostly, to the writer on keeping it short
2: <laughs> it's yes, mostly and, flashbacks right like otherwise yeah. very like little mermaid where she's befriended the gull and you know that kind of thing. <laughs> like, and she sings like i was like oh my gosh like we totally could have a little mermaid remake but anyway
3: <laughs> so that brings us to does the girl becoming lost on an island for 15 years story arc work for us and I mean, for me, I feel like just like you guys were saying, the fact that it was kept really short and then like once she gets back, we don't really dwell on it too much. We actually go mostly into like singing and and her trying to get the performer back on her feet and all that kind of stuff. So we're not spending too much time on that. It really just feels like a, a device used to make sure that she's absent from everybody's life for 15 years. Yeah. So I don't know. It does, it, it works for the story, especially because it was kept short and it's not a super big focus of the drama.
2: I, okay, like, yes, as you said, it, it's small, mostly it's flashbacks. It's, and we get, you know, some insights into the, who she is with some of those flashbacks and how she survived during that time. So in that sense, you know, it plays an important role because it kind of helps us understand you know kind of some of who she is 15 years on a deserted island I I don't know <laughs> I just have you know I you know but but it's okay I can suspend disbelief because the rest of it is really really good so I just kind of was like really 15 years like that seems huh,
0: okay <laughs> well she had to grow up and her pop star had to have her star Wayne mm. and duh.
3: But- Like I said, just so she could be away for 15 years.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I think it works, too, just because I did look it up and apparently Korea does have a lot of just little tiny islands off the coast. So it was good to know that that's factual. And then this actually kind of adds to her character because she was smart enough to survive for that long and not just go, you know, she's not talking to a volleyball for her emotional support volleyball
3: just just a seagull (laughs) yeah
0: and even that was super brief (laughs) and so i it speaks to her character that she was smart enough to survive and i like the metaphors that they use we'll talk about them later on but just things that she learned on the island that are actually applicable to life in modern society and so i like i like the literary aspect of it Mm -hmm. the 15 years part i
1: don't know it is what it is I'll just say that it does not feel like any of these characters should be thirty. <laughs> <laughs> like just the guys too. That I'm I understand that the actors and stuff are in their thirty ish range, but just like the way they deal with a lot of life and just situations don't necessarily feel thirty. Yeah. And I think they kind of use the excuse. Oh, well, she was a teenager and she lived on an island, you know? So, of course, she doesn't know how to be a mature adult 30 year old. But
2: what's their (laughs) excuse, right? (laughs) Yeah. The guys don't feel like
1: they're 30. Trauma. I think trauma. But there's trauma, and one of them doesn't even remember it, though.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. Spoiler.
1: (laughs) but trauma only explains it people still age and grow and mature even with trauma you can't just say oh they were traumatized so they are going to act like they're 20 forever so i don't
3: know
2: (laughs) sorry okay of course it's me so i really really need us to a lot of time and really discuss the cinematography as well as the music um and and what are our thoughts about that and so um I think that the people in this are just so beautiful and I there's just a lot of pretty and so um I'm assuming that that must be because of like you know filming and whatnot um so I'll let you all talk about that but there's a lot of pretty like oh my gosh especially like the staging of the you know um about everybody singing on literally staging on stage but <laughs> i have to say i will what i can comment on is music and so the fact that parkun bin is the singer is blowing me away because she is absolutely breathtaking and the the song choices are just so poignant and moving so i will comment on the music the music is amazing and I just, I love it. I love it. I love her voice.
0: Same. She just, she's phenomenal. Like, if she hadn't gone into acting, I could see where she could have gone into music and just killed it. And I'm But I'm so, so, so glad she went into acting because we are reaping the rewards. As for the cinematography, I like how they give the tropical island a very bright, sunshiny feel. It could not have been like that through every season but it just gives it a very distinct vibe from the modern world or the modern society that she ends up going back to. And then even being on stage feels very different because they use kind of the soft focus lights and just the very distinctness of her environments kind of helps me keep track of where she is and where the story is. Cause we have a lot of factors playing into her life. And so we've got the influence from the deserted Island and then she's got the, the people she's trying to rescue and then the mystery she's trying to understand. And so Keeping those separate visually helps me keep track of the story.
1: And I'm just going to jump in and say I'm really enjoying the cinematography. I think the uh, director is really hitting everyone's best features and abilities and their close-ups to um, further the story, whether it's being scared or traumatized. Or there's this one scene where the older singer is singing and she's just overcome with emotion and it was such a impactful scene just from you know her expressions and then I think of there's another scene where there's a music video that shot that was just oh, really beautiful. So beautiful and of course all those scenes bring in music to emphasis all of the dramatic moments and I think it's a perfect mix of the two which is kind of why I put them together where usually we just talk about cinematography and then music, but I feel like there's such compliments in this show that you can't separate one from the other. They're just very intertwined and I'm loving it.
3: I agree. Like I honestly, I don't know if I've spent a lot of time thinking about the cinematography on it Um, more. So the music, I just, her voice is so beautiful and I loved that Netflix made sure everybody knew that she was the one that was singing and it wasn't somebody else. And, they, you know, anytime we have an idol on, on a drama, they always, you know, put so much emphasis on, oh my gosh, she's supposed to sing it live. And they, they definitely play with that on this one because of the the setup and the situation. And she, um, she's just a, a ray of sunshine every time you hear her sing, or they're filming her while she's singing or any of that stuff. Like the uh, I can't say that anything about this one scene because that doesn't happen through. <laughs> <So> <laughs> six, but there is there is a scene where she's singing, and it just has all the 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 lovely family good feels to it. So,
0: all right. So after six episodes, would we recommend? Well, yeah.
3: I also it's
1: a yes for me. I think this is a very fun drama that's going to interest a wide variety of people and their interests in like genres so I think it's a really good one for a majority of every drama watcher
3: yeah I think it'll hit uh, a lot of thing the people's favorite things uh, for a drama and like Kim you said earlier it's 12 episodes so you know we're already at like today I think aired episode like 10 or maybe what i don't know it, it's going to yeah. be ending really soon and i was like mm-hmm. i feel like it just started so whether you're watching it live or you get caught up over the next week or so and then you get to watch the rest of it it's it's going to be over before you know it and i feel like it's going to be an enjoyable watch the whole time
2: i think that would be four yeses if we were to do this as like american idol style back in the day but <laughs> yeah. i'd say that um absolutely Um, And it, it's, it draws you in right from the beginning. There is just, you know, so people are aware that first episode is a little darker than I had expected. There's some really emotional scenes. And I can tell you that, as I said, I was watching this on the plane, I watched the first episode. And my husband was like, this this was a trip where we were traveling together. He was like watching over my shoulder and I looked over, and he was like teary-eyed. And so I was like, first of all, I had no idea he was watching it with me. Um, but there was a really emotional scene, and it really um, hit him. So I was I was like, "Are you crying at my drama?" And then, then <laughs> of course, I was like, "Sorry," because I was a little loud on the plane. But... <laughs> anyway, um, it was it's the acting, especially the young actors, and in that those beginning episodes are amazing and so it really does hit hit you right in the feels so yeah i absolutely recommend it
1: all right which brings us to spoilers 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 you've been warned they're spoilers so go watch it first then come listen to this or listen to this and just know you're going to be spoiled so yeah all right let's start Let's chat about the main cast. We're going to talk about Seo Mo Ka played by Park Unbin. bin And I just love her. She is just such an engaging and charismatic actress. And as um, K-Drama Jen had said, I'm not saying that there's like these wild changes in character development and she doesn't like create different mannerisms for every character per se, but she's just so likable that you can't help but like the characters regardless. And I'm really enjoying this one. I love how she's such kind of a bullheaded fangirl. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like she's a fangirl to her core and she just wants the best for her idol. And she also wants to just live life. She doesn't want to settle down and be safe. She wants to go out and grab life by the horns and she's gonna
3: like she's gonna live and I'm loving that whole vibe from her um I you I don't think you could talk about this character without mentioning the actress that played her as a child so the beginning of that first episode um both the actors that play the younger versions just did a fantastic job and kind of set um the stage for when they become older but I think a good foundation for her character is like she's somebody you had these two kids who were both, and we're in the spoiler section so you you will know after the first episode you have these two kids who are both being abused by their fathers and he tended to be just kind of like standoffish and kind of protective of himself and like not really wanting to interact. And she kind of was the opposite where she hid all of that underneath her love of music and and that I feel like really grounds her character's obsession (laughs) with her (laughs) idol because that was her escape. Mm -hmm. So that was her escape. And that's what she really focused on. And then she gets abandoned on this Island for 15 years. And I'm sure not much other than survival. And then just also continuing to try to like have some kind of happiness in her life. So I think it is safe to say that it became a tiny bit of a, an obsession, (laughs) (laughs) which she's working through as, as she's been back to the, you know, and, and, been able to interact with the real person and you can kind of see her being able to like take like what she wants for her life not just what the idol wants and all that kind of stuff so like I do like that they're that um the older version you can kind of see a lot of that she is bullheaded she hasn't had like even before she was stranded on the island she didn't have parental upbringing that would help her to be able to navigate her life properly. Cause she just, she, her dad and he was abusive and everything. So, so I feel like though her character does fall sometimes into like, um, you were, you were pretty, uh, mature when you were stranded. Like, I think it makes sense and I enjoy her performance and I'm going to, I feel like I'm going to enjoy her growing as she's able to Connect with fa- like people who feel like family to her and form those bonds and have real life connections in her life. So yeah, sorry, a lot just to talk about. The character,
2: but... mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't talk about this without really thinking about um the actress that yeah. plays her yeah, as a younger version, as well as of course Park Bin. And first of all, just how beautifully matched they are. I mean, I mm-hmm. it that was amazing um clearly like clearly that was just park and bin when she was young because (laughs) it it was really good um but i love her character i love what that she is bringing her like fangirl loyalty like to the it almost feels like it's a time travel drama in a way because she was on you know she was a castaway on an island and so we get this kind of fresh view of how things are 15 years later um and so you know we've had a lot of time travel dramas this year but, um, <laughs> but this is kind of like so it's interesting because it's not time travel but it sort of feels that way it feels like she's been i mean they could have put her in a coma for 10 years at least they gave her you know something where she was sort of growing during that time mm-hmm. and um as uh the maknae said before the, the A lot of her um, appeal, besides just being so cute, is that we, I guess the appeal of her storyline, especially with the castaway part, is that it really does give us some good metaphors as we're moving forward through this drama. And we're really seeing, you know, how she is a teenage fangirl, even though she is older now, and um, and how she just applies that in so many different areas. So... I just, yeah, I just think that she is really helping us kind of um, get grounded in, like, this new world. Um, and so we're seeing it through her eyes, and I just love that. Yeah,
0: she's just, she's a very forceful ray of sunshine. I think that's probably the best way to characterize her. And I love, love, love how Park bin has hung on to that really strong country accent. Mm. to set her apart from everyone else and like she doesn't change it because like even like um i remember in my earliest k drama days hearing people talking about adopting the soul accent and she it feels like she doesn't ever feel the need to like she's very wholly herself and she has been from the very beginning like you guys said she's been well portrayed by both the younger actress and Park Won bin and so to be that whole to be very much herself and then still have like She talks about being on the island, and there were times where she was very tired of being all by herself and thinking about just ending it. But then she can't, you know, she doesn't because she's so determined to have this life that she's going to live. And it's so believable because of the way that she's been portrayed. And so, I don't know. I just, I liked her from the very beginning. There was only one part that I fast forwarded at the very beginning when she got on to the radio call. And she was fangirling so hard, she just really didn't make sense. I was just like, oh, that's hard to watch. But I gave it like 10 seconds and then she (laughs) came back to herself. And then, of course, you know, Kehoe stole the battery out of the phone and (laughs) did the call and was obnoxious as only teenage boys can be. But it just I really liked her from the beginning and I've been rooting for her this whole entire time, even when she does stuff like blowing up all the green balloons so that her her idol has fans you know it has this visual representation I of her fans.
2: that that was, was awesome it
0: was so awesome and she just i love how she's being portrayed because she is she's just positive even in her darkest moments she is positive
3: all right so the next character is the person that she fangirls over <laughs> so hard <laughs> and it's uh Yunranju and that's played by Kim Hyojin and I don't know that I've seen her in other stuff I don't know I'd have to look up her uh other dramas that she's been in um but I feel like she represents a lot of um idols and stuff that may have hit it big at one point in time and then their company moves on to all the other uh new groups that they're pumping out and so um she's got other stuff that I feel got in the way of her kind of being able to, to continue to be successful. And they've slowly unpacked that, but I like that she is both selfish a lot, (laughs) but also (laughs) comes down to earth and like realizes that she's being mean or selfish or whatever. And that she, you know, she has had a lot of people take advantage of her. So she's kind of wary. And so she has a reason that she might treat people like that. But um, I like the relationship that has developed between her and uh, Moka. And that, like, they're, again, she's selfish. So she, she does take advantage of that, like, her idolizing her still. But also sees the error of her ways and can can you know, kind of come back to like, okay, that wasn't nice or we shouldn't do that anymore or whatever. And so I, I really enjoy their interaction and their relationship as it develops, um, from the original star, starstruck to her actually seeing the talent and then wanting to, uh, to help out this person. That's, that's, uh, cares about her and everything so and I think eventually will that's that that whole like I was saying those connections that family that found family type thing I think that that will stick through their lives and that'll be something that they both lean on each other for and it's fun to watch that develop
2: I really love how they are showcasing through Ranju like exactly like what what happens sometimes to Idols who are like they're put on a pedestal for a short period of time and then you know how the their agency sort of like lets them go or whatever because they get older or they're not as popular and so on Um, and it just reminds me especially this um, heyday show you know I'm like how many of these shows have we watched where you know some of these um, often though it's like boy bands who did you know members who maybe didn't debut or who did for a short period of time. But they're trying to make a comeback. Like it it has that feel. And so it feels real. Um, and you can kind of feel her desperation. Of like she was once adored. And you know there's that really moving scene. Where like where she's she's lip syncing. But she's out there. And they're all chanting her name. With the balloons and all of that. Mm-hmm. I was so moved by that. Um, so I like her in this drama because she is really providing us with that sort of like very like real view of what can happen. Um, and then, of course, I, I think there's going to be that found family feel as well. And she's going to sort of take her under her wing and a um, under her wing the way she might have done years before. Um, but in a different way. But anyway, I just have to say that I really do like her. I don't know the actress. Uh, I haven't seen her in anything, I don't think.
0: MDL does say that she was in Mary Stayed Out All Night.
1: Oh. Oh. No, I think she was no, like she the, wasn't the, main the girl, though. second girl. Yeah, she yeah. wasn't the lead. Yeah, She's yeah. been in a couple things. There was like a cop show recently Good that detective. she was in, but not a ton of things. Yeah. So,
0: but yeah, I like her too. And I was surprised because I did expect her to be selfish because, you know, she'd found a solution for her waning popularity. And so I expected her to kind of sacrifice Moka and, you know, make too many demands. And instead they're working together and she's being more of the mentor kind of big sister that Moka needs, especially navigating, you know, this world that moved on with her for the without her for the last 15 years. And so it's it's nice to see them coming together and supporting each other and helping each other because, yeah, she, she may be selfish, but she's not self-centered, if that makes sense. She's, she wants things for herself and she'll go for things for herself, but she can still see other people and she still wants to help other people. And I really appreciate that nuance.
1: Well, and I'd like to point out, like, keep in mind, I binged all six episodes all in one go. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) I definitely didn't have time to like linger on any of her negatives. Um, I did feel very strongly that she is someone who also had trauma because she's been gaslighted by her business partner who was supposed to be there for her. But she didn't realize that he's tearing her apart without her realizing it in order to get what he wants. So I think like while she can be a little bit of a diva, I don't think she is overly selfish. I think she's just very focused on not hitting rock bottom because she has been suicidal in the past. She has faced all these extreme hardships that she's going through. And we find out that a lot of her singing issues are psychological, which makes sense with, kind of where she is in her life and what has been told to her and Mm -hmm. so i really like that she is so layered i was expecting very much a just a pop princess that has no depth to her has no business upon aplomb um but she is very much she understands the industry she just maybe trusts people her her business partner dash he's not really even the manager he's just her business partner Mm -hmm. because they kind of went in on it together on that thing and so so yeah it's very interesting she became much more of a character than I was expecting her to and I'm really enjoying the performance so there's been several times where I love the whole sisterly vibe like at the wedding um (laughs) <laughs> that was a beautiful scene there's been a couple other scenes that have just really connected their connection together and I've really
2: enjoyed that so um okay so the next character to talk about is Kang Boko and that's played by Che Jung Hyo, and we are on episode 6 right so yeah um, so we don't
1: know what's going on yet. I don't mm-hmm. know. So okay. don't spoil <laughs> it or I will have to stab you.
2: <laughs> I mean, but you do have a suspicion of who this might be, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we do have a character who has waited at the subway station for, you know, like we see all these images of somebody who has waited at the subway station. So it might be... um somebody who has a memory um mm-hmm. so, so and i put that together before episode six so i'm just yeah, saying yeah. same um
1: but still don't say for i sure, won't say anything. It hasn't been
2: revealed did i say a word i didn't say a word i'm just <laughs> you implied
0: but <laughs> no, that's but not the same
2: <laughs> this is exactly what i would have said going into i probably would have been even more adamant because um yeah so um but kang Buko right now is a like a producer um of a actually he's is he an assistant producer he does something with um Heyday, but mm-hmm. um he's, he wasn't
3: the lead producer no. because he he wasn't he had to take over for somebody else so he's he's like the assi- like you said i think
2: he's the yeah. assist- assistant he's so not the he, lead one he works in that industry um and which is interesting to kind of see his view but and he's sort of like um i don't know like standoff but not exactly standoffish but just he is definitely like very serious um and you get the sense that he's like um has some secrets and that he's working to um Gosh, this is hard, guys. Like, <laughs> I just want to say what I think, but I'll just say um, he is one of the brothers and he. Yeah, that's all I'll say, because that's all I can say right now.
0: <laughs> and I like how reserved he is, because even though he's reserved, he's super sharp and he puts things together really fast. And I love that he figured out, because in episode 6, so this is not a spoiler, because I haven't watched past episode 6, yeah. he, he puts together the fact that Mo Ka is actually providing uh, Ronju's voice. Mm. Like, no one had to tell him. He just, a few things, and he watched a couple of videos, and he's like, ah. And so when he calls them out, and he called out the other singer on whatever trick she was going to pull during the the show, I was just like, okay, I like him, and I can see how this could also confirm my suspicions as to his true identity. And I love that he and his like amnesiac brother are so funny because his brother, he keeps telling his brother, quit copying me, quit copying me, <laughs> quit living with me. Quit-. It just like the sibling vibe is very strong and I will always be there for the sibling vibe. And it just, I I like how protective he is of the people in his life. I loved it when he came and found moka when she made the mistake of meeting someone who, lured her out to wherever they like i feel like it's the same place they keep going this platformish area anyway and he just he knew where she was and he went and got her and i just i love his protective aura and i know what i want him to be but of course i've got to finish watching the rest of the episodes
1: i really like him i like that the brothers are so distinctly different and very brotherly mm-hmm. um I was kind of surprised and it did take a while to be like, okay, how are they brothers when there was only one with the dad when they were kids? And uh, once they explained that, it's like, oh, okay. Uh, so that was interesting. I'm really enjoying the whole connection between Bogle and her and just how he fits into the whole dynamic of the family.
3: It's, he just fits right in and I'm really enjoying it good performance. So if anybody listened to our, what we're watching podcast, they will know that I, when I had finished episode one through six, I was a little bit grumpy. I'm glad for this podcast, even though I can't let any of the spoilers, uh, fly because we're not talking about seven and eight, but, um, I'm glad I watched the other ones. Cause I am in a much better place of really enjoying it. And my only reason I was not enjoying it is more for the online. Community, like anybody who watched Startup, which was this writer's last drama, knows that there was a huge, it was almost as big as the debacle of The Reply 1994. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. It was Startup was bad because the main guy that they entered, or not the main guy, the guy they introduced first was super likable and played by an actor who then went on to his next drama. He was a lead in and did an amazing job and everybody loved him. And the other main lead guy was played by somebody who is, has grown as an actor and really is doing great job now, but maybe wasn't as great then. And so there was just a lot of people who wanted the not the second lead guy to be, the one she ended up with and it just became this whole thing and then there was a lot of like 25 21 which is not this writer at all but the same actor is that the same actor yeah the same mm-hmm. actor um they th- the opposite happened and they wanted him to be the future husband so bad <laughs> that they created uh things that they would see and clues pointing to the fact that she was currently with him in the present day that it just became this like almost tiresome like Like you're having to keep reminding people of like, that doesn't necessarily mean that this person is that or this or that. Like, so I think I was anticipating a long drawn out. Who's the person, who's the brother that's Kehoe? Like who is Kehoe? (laughs) And so I think I was just grumpy because I just, I wanted to just enjoy the drama and know there is something to be said about the whole, I know this is the first lead. I know this is the second lead. I can have my feelings put in place for each one. And just be able to int- anticipate what's going to happen. And then sometimes I don't mind if it's a little bit more questionable. With this, I just I didn't want to dra- to drag out to like episode 11. You finally fired out who Peeho is. <laughs> so I am in a happy place now. And I will say that, that even through the seven and eight, they don't drag anything out. So if you're dying to know who is you. <laughs> You can start the next episode and and all will be well. I was just going to say, having watched all six
1: episodes, I was very happy that there is no specific romance, per se, with the girl and the guys. Like, the guys kind of indicate interest, but there's no set romantic,
3: you know. Right, because she's very much... Like focused Kehoe on other is, things. Yeah, Kehoe is yeah. her guy, <laughs> and that's who she wants. Like- so I
1: definitely was okay with as long as one of them ends up being Kehoe, I don't really care which one it is at this point. Yeah, and, and- going into six, that's how I felt. Like I didn't feel like, oh, this one had so much more chemistry, or you know. But it's just like,
2: like it's the one with who has his memories, like that. Yeah. So <laughs> actually-
1: <laughs> yes, but. Okay. I never felt like, oh, my gosh, she has so much chemistry with the other one. Right. I can't accept this. Yeah. Like, I never felt that.
2: I just and feel I- like there isn't that much of it. Like, there wasn't that much of a question because, like, one of them can't remember and one of them can. And the one that can kept showing up. Like, so I do mm-hmm.
3: agree with you. But again, and this is just one of those things where I was lo- I can't even remember what I was looking for on my drama list and drop down to the comments section. I I think it was because somebody asked me on the side of like, well, they or implied that we didn't know after a certain point in time in the episodes. And I was like, yes, we do. So I had to but, go look. I'm like, did I miss something? And so then I looked in the comments and I was like, oh, okay. It really is confusing a lot of people. And that's it that's confused where my- me
1: until. <laughs> episode six like episode six you kind of know mm-hmm. but so that's but where really my, like, the writer was playing it like oh that could be his characteristic or that could be his characteristic you don't mm-hmm. and until we got the backstory over the memory loss I don't think we could say because the guy the brother could just be wanting to keep it all secret because of the dad you know, or keep memories down, or they didn't know about her, or whatever. You know. So, anyway, so it, I think yeah. there was more confusion <laughs>
3: there, <laughs> and exactly. And some people, there, you know, depending on how fast you watch it or what you're paying attention to, that, like, that little small scene where they show the person standing there waiting, it happens mm-hmm. earlier on. You may not think about it well, as you're trying saw- to. Like, I saw it, and I'm like. Am I confused
1: over which brother it was? I didn't go back and watch it. Right. Right. Because so I I'm, remember
3: I'm like, oh, the
1: guy is waiting. But yeah. then I was like, oh, did I, which brother did I see specifically? So. Well, and they
3: don't show a face on purpose. And again, yeah. I think that that's the whole like playing the game of who could it be or whatever. But anyway, so I, in general, I like both of the brothers. I think it's hilarious and probably because of the memory loss, but the younger brother is totally the older brother, stereotypically, like <laughs> the other brother <laughs> wants to be like him. He wants to wear his clothes. He wants to sleep, you know, stay in his room with him. Like, and he's just like, oh, can I have some space? <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, so they kind of switched roles, but I do love their relationship and I, um, I, Especially in in some of the the other episodes I've watched, like I love their family, um, yeah. and how they take care of each other and everything. So I really enjoy um, both brothers a lot.
0: And it really is hard to talk about Bogil without mentioning Wu I think we've mentioned yeah. him a lot, and he's exactly. played
3: by
0: he's played by N from Vix. Um, mm-hmm. he has a real name, Cha Hak Yon, <laughs> <laughs> and he's been. This is probably another misdirect by the writer, but just the fact that he found her first with his drone when they were cleaning up trash on the Island. Mm. And so kind of confused who's first lead, who's first, who's second lead, but he's just been so friendly to her. And so just, I mean, he's almost a matching ray of sunshine. And I think part of it might be because he has no memories previous Mm. to that incident. And so he, you know, the trauma with his dad is his bio dad is coming back in flashes and stuff. But, um, Yeah, he's just... I like him. He's a sweetheart, and he's very determined to figure things out. And he's just as stubborn as she is in his own way. Like, staking staking out that apartment for how many days on end? Yeah, just
1: just stalking him.
0: mm -hmm, (laughs) Just trying to figure stuff out. And it's like, dude, you're putting your life in danger. But I don't think he fully comprehends that. Anyway, so N's been a delight as Wu Hawk. And I just... I like... I don't know. I like the whole dynamic, like Drama Geek said. The whole found family, or the whole family, just and how they're expanding to include this found family because you know now you have the not sisters who are living upstairs and (laughs) just everybody. (laughs) I'm just like, this is this is the kind of thing that I live for in dramas. It's just people coming together and taking care of each other, and he's absolutely a key part of it.
1: I have to agree. I've always really enjoyed N as a actor and this role is just as fun as any of the others i really like his very entitled attitude i (laughs) usually i would be super annoyed but he's just so funny Mm -hmm. like the whole oh i'm not going to report about it i'm gonna report about it you know just (laughs) he's such a pill but it's very enjoyable a very enjoyable pill so
3: um i i I really like that um, the, like the dynamic of the, like the family kind of takes care of him, even though he doesn't realize to what he didn't, uh, until all this stuff started happening, he didn't realize to what extent (laughs) they were all just like babying him and taking care of him. And I think that's probably part of his like attitude that he gets and and (laughs) his entitlement and everything, because they, from the, you know, from his memory on, they have kind of like sheltered him and taking care of him and all of that so i i really enjoy his character a lot and i've enjoyed um all of i think i've seen most there i think there was one drama that he was in um that i didn't see him in it was like a darker drama or i can't remember what it was anyway but his characters are always really fun to watch i really loved his character and he was the one that was in cheer up right yeah he was like yeah So I really, I think that's one of the first times I remember seeing him and I really enjoyed his character and he's just, he's just a a good actor and he has um, good chemistry with all of the different characters he comes in contact with just on a a personal level. He's just got a good chemistry about him.
2: I also really like him. I laughed really hard when, um, with the brother dynamic. Um, especially when, you know, like he was like, you're wearing my underwear? Like, what do you <laughs> like, uh, was, You know, like, no, I just want to spend my time with you. I want to be in your room. Like, it was great. It just made me laugh. And I do love how he is so warm and sunshiny, um, which is like that perfect, like, counter to the other brother who clearly has a lot on his mind and is just more reserved and so on and so um, but I also love that he's because in the beginning I mean the way they portrayed him where he was like running around the island with his drone and all of that like I had a different view of him but now like as we've moved on in the drama you can see he's really smart he's you know really good at being an investigative reporter he's got like all of these kinds of traits that i wasn't seeing before and now it like now it's revealed for us um because in the beginning i just thought he was sort of like spoiled and um and now we understand like who he is and why he is that way but he's great and i do i like the actor as well
1: does the this writer have an inability to let our leads have decent parents and i'm specifically talking about the early episodes of all of her shows they're always like the most damaging abusive parents that create the most horrific situations and once again we have two very very abusive dads to the point where i was so happy to see one of them die i was kind of sad we couldn't kill off the other one at the same time (laughs) but like i don't know this writer just hits abusive parents that hit you in the gut for some reason. Cause a lot of shows have abusive parents, but these ones just go that extra little bit that really connect with you emotionally. Like, what are your thoughts on that?
3: I'm trying hard to remember all of the different abusive parents that are out there writing. <laughs> like, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Um, I, what I can say is that though, she almost she always has abusive parents early on um or for at least one side or the other side she always has something in their um adult life a parent, a grandparent or something that really helps bring and help them in their adult life. so I kind of like that again it's kind of like the best
1: and the worst of times kind exactly of <laughs> yeah. exactly
3: yeah except for maybe um I hear your voice like I'm trying to think, well, no, because her mom was our, one of our favorite actresses and pro- I think it might have been the first show I ever saw her in, but her mom was amazing, but she unfortunately did not survive <laughs> the bad guy. Yeah. So you they're know, she
1: either like- bad parents or they're killed off because
3: <laughs> that happened in I hear
1: your voice too.
3: Well, that's what I'm talking about is I hear oh, your voice. Her mom yeah. was good, yeah. but she died. And then I don't remember. Well, Pinocchio, parents. right? And like- then Pinocchio you have. Yeah yeah so mom while was, you were
0: sleeping though the mom of the female lead was good and i'm not sure a male lead had parents
1: I'm, i have to admit the while you were sleeping i know that one's your favorite but every time we talk about it, i'm like what happened in that one <laughs>
3: <laughs> you don't remember Batman
1: and robin no. <laughs> not until like you mentioned that then i was like oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> no i know that she could hear lies or no that was pinocchio no yeah But oh she dreamed things yeah dreamed yeah his okay. specific
0: future that yeah
1: kind of thing. anyway but yeah <laughs> i'm always traumatized in their shows i guess they're not always because of parents but <laughs> yeah but There's this one always- it killed me like the dads were really 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 bad they were and it was very visual abuse and it's just like oh i'm like cringing
2: as i said this was where my husband teared up right because he was watching that first episode they were awful and this particular um writer definitely has that like gives them a traumatic backstory of some kind um and i i feel like i i mean this feels a little bit like pinocchio to me as far as like the um I uh, jung-suk's character out like in on the island mm. um right like he wasn't um that was pinocchio right yeah yeah well he because mm-hmm. yeah.
3: yeah he ends he up had,
2: being he had adopted
3: hair. yeah by yeah. <laughs> a rural um, island family yes. Yeah.
2: So, but didn't he like fall off a boat or something too? He, he was pushed off
3: a cliff. Wasn't he pushed Mm -hmm. off a cliff by like his parent, his brother, his mom, uncle, mom, somebody, (laughs) it was a family member pushed him off. And then they adopted him
2: and then they, and that's where they found it. Like it was the same idea that like there's this little island off, you know, and there are a lot of those little islands um, that, you know, I mean, there's, so many of them so it could happen it's just anyway um yes we have to have a traumatic backstory so that we can have them all. <laughs> i just can't help but feeling i feel like bogle's character literally like you could have put yi jung-suk in for him except that he's older now um <laughs> but it feels like that like that's the character that was written for yi jung-suk and then they were like oh yeah because that's what she did for all those other dramas right and so mm. then like Oh, yeah, I don't have him anymore. Let me find someone new. Um, Kind of makes sense for the startup character, too. Right, right. (laughs) We we just had a realization.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I have anything to add to that.
2: (laughs) (laughs) All right. So, music, fangirl loyalty is a huge theme in this drama is it working for us I love it so as a self-professed fangirl (laughs) I I can completely understand um her level of obsession I love I love dramas that kind of highlight the fangirls like um gosh was it which of the part um which of (laughs) which i hate this. what i can't remember it was a parkman
3: young and she was a fangirl and it was Mm -hmm. the one with uh (laughs) jay oh my private life
2: yeah my private life yeah so my private life or even back to like reply 97 or like i love it when they show that um because it just it works for me and i love that it shows Because you have to really like if you're outside of the K drama or K pop world and you're coming in and seeing this, like it really does allow you to see the very unique fan culture that is like K pop. Because, like, the way you know, the that there are certain colors, that there's certain, and I would say, like, these days there are American artists who've sort of like have that too, but it Mm -hmm. totally started with the k-pop trend it wasn't the same you know until much later but anyway like with the you know that she passed out all those green balloons because that was her color and you know so on i loved it i think it's i think it's a really great feature of this particular show
0: agreed and it's kind of wish fulfillment too because who doesn't want to help out their they're idle when they're having a tough time, you know?
2: Right? Yes.
0: And, and so it's something it, it plays on our sympathies and it definitely brings us around to Moka's side super fast. And it brings us to Ron side. So it's really, really good characterization too. I guess for me everything comes to characterization in this drama.
3: Mm. Um I agree with you guys. I love seeing the fangirl side and all of that. I'm also happy that her character is being allowed to like move like stretch out beyond that and and care and worry about other people and herself because like I feel like if it was too focused on the fangirl side then I would be like okay she spent 15 years on an island now she needs to be able to like make sure she has uh things for herself and not just like live for like the whole fangirl thing so I love the fangirl stuff, but I'm also really happy that her character has been able to kind of stretch beyond that.
2: And that's part of her growth, Mm -hmm. right? Like she started because she was sort of like frozen in time as this teenage fangirl. And now she was able to use that to sort of start discovering who she is as an adult. And that's what I really love about this drama is that it's not just keeping her as like immature fangirl, but it's letting her kind of grow from that and see how you know, her love for her idol has kind of transformed into the way she's, like, taking care of her as a manager and so on. Um, and then being able to care for other people, too. So,
0: I love it. Yeah, that's a good point. All right. So, evil dad and evil producer. Evil CEO, manager, thing, Bob The guy that yeah. looks like a frog a little bit. A frog? <laughs> his eyes and his lips the way they line up he normally has facial hair and so this time around i was just like "Mm, let's bring the facial hair back anyway so what do we think about the villains of this story (laughs) so evil dad truly creepy i didn't understand his motivation until i saw just how obsessed he was with having his family and have them all together because like his stocking at the beginning didn't make sense it was like he's out of your life you hated him anyway why do you care but now i understand the obsession with the complete family and i'm like okay yeah that's creepy and then when he released those hornets into the childhood friend's car and the poor guy wrecked into the side of the tunnel i'm like that's like devious villain level stuff that just yeah i i will be happy to see him taken down at the end of the drama and if he's not i'm going to be very upset But, you know, this is not the kind of drama that'll leave me hanging. As for (laughs) evil producer. So it was kind of interesting because when Ronju went to go confront him about the fact that he was blocking the sales of her albums, there was actually a little chemistry there. Like, I feel like they hinted at a past relationship. Mm -hmm. And so he's just so desperate to keep his business out of her hands that he's doing all this to block her. So I don't know that he's necessarily evil. He's just working around the one condition she put into the contract before he had, you know, before R&J had taken off as an entertainment company. And so he's being really horrible about it because he doesn't want to give her his business. But I don't know that it's evil.
1: Yeah, I agree.
0: Just kind of a pain in the butt. I
1: would say that it's evil because he's been putting her down and verbally abusing her and gaslighting her about her worth and everything for years. So I would say definitely it kind of is evil. And some of the things that he's trying to pull now, I mean, it's not like serial killer evil, but it's still really horrible person evil. So I don't know. He's a bad guy in my opinion. And dad's just creepy as all get out. Like Mm -hmm. so creepy. He's like the, the serial killer that just keeps popping up and doesn't die.
3: I think one evil dad, or even like the whole, I didn't understand why he, he didn't just like, he's out of your life and you didn't like him and all that kind of stuff really doesn't give a lot of uh, light to like, he is a very much classic um, child abuse, domestic violence. Like control. Like he ran away from him and he was able to slip the whole family was able to slip his group. And I think he's more focused on Kehoe because <clears throat> he spread, you know, was like spreading lies about him and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like the dad is definitely showing the a very classic, like, uh, uh domestic violence, uh, child, you know, abusing your wife and your child and all that kind of stuff. And I think that also although the whole bees and all of that that's just maybe that like again that's where and I don't think any of that is not evil I just sometimes when you like not mustache twist twisting evil type situation where it's like it really is like it felt very uh real and it it was hard to watch for a lot of people because it it was one of those where and then you got a double whammy because her dad Um, And Mm. his dad and everything. So, and the producer, I do think that he is being very underhanded and he is not a nice person um, and probably just falls into the category of being a very typical like CEO, music producer type uh, or owner of a company who cares about the bottom line. But I also think that there is some, some stuff where he is felt burned and is acting out because of those things. Like her Mm. not telling him about her, her, um, voice and why she kept ditching and not wanting to sing live and then progressively becoming where she drank more and more and all that kind of stuff. I think that's where he was. He's like, I don't trust her to be able to run the company. So therefore he's like being super shady and doing all of that stuff and making her, you know, like you said, gaslighting her. Cause he definitely is doing that. So I don't think he's mm-hmm. a good person um, or any of that, but I do think that there are reasons behind some of it, but you know, he's still not a, not a nice person. And I hope that he does end up getting like, get what he, get, get what
2: he has coming to him. I guess. <laughs> I hope that at the end of the show, they will have him perform on stage <laughs> And record everybody's <laughs> horrified reaction. Everybody um, you guys are talking about idols past their
3: prime, and and how this show is talking about it. I just kept picturing the JYP. Clip, JYP and and the audience members and their reaction. Yeah, Somebody I mean... even just put up all of the audience and how they were uh, singing along to New Jeans and how much they were enjoying it, and they had they were smiles, and and then they cut. To JYP performing, and then their reactions. It is the gift that keeps on giving.
2: <laughs> oh, and bless so, his oh, heart. For our listeners who may not be familiar with it, there is a. At this point, it's a meme. It Go is, yeah. but it, it is uh, JYP, and he is performing. Oh God, it's he's performing and <laughs> they, they keep panning to the audience and there's people with their mouths wide open in shock. There's people like, you can just tell they're all really uncomfortable yeah. or they're like horrified um, <laughs> because well, he's up.
3: Yeah. They were even warned there. One of the announcers, he's an uh, older actor or whatever. Um, and he was like, just so you guys know when, when Jay, because Susie was announcing with him, um mm-hmm. and Susie's from his company and he's he was like so you know we are going to be recording your reactions but it was just so bad that you think she tried she it. tried so hard
1: uh-huh. to keep a straight face
3: was, you uh, could yeah. tell she was
1: really trying
3: yeah. <laughs> At least Uh, this year, she wasn't made to, like, perform with him. It was just mostly him with a couple.
2: (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, I think that would be a fitting ending (laughs) for this (laughs) uh, awful (laughs) CEO man. But but getting back to evil dads, um, these are some of the, like, I would say in K-drama history, we have had a few that are just, you know, awful serial killer level horrible people but as far as like the um childhood trauma abuse kind of thing um the two dads really are like they really showed a lot of like um just their their obsession with like controlling their children and then especially with um the dad that's still alive, his complete obsession with going after kiho going after his wife, and you know, trying to like pull everything back together, um, to the point where he's, you know, he's a security guard. Um, and he's like everything he's doing is like to go find this son, not because he wants a beautiful reunion but because he wants to control and it's so real and raw um i would say that's why there are parts that are really hard to watch but um but it's also really really well done he's mm-hmm. but it's really crazy i mean like the thing with the hornets like i yeah. was like oh my gosh <laughs> like yeah. Yeah.
3: yeah
1: i feel this is one of the best uh, like actual realistic examples of abuse yes. Like child abuse. Because usually you hear a lot of yelling, like some throwing things. You don't see quite the physicality that this show shows. Yeah. And so it definitely feels like if he gets a hold of his family again, he's going to kill one of them.
2: You can completely understand why Mm -hmm. they would have, you know, tried to go into hiding. You can 100% understand it. Okay. Okay. So, to conclude the first half of this podcast, what was our favorite scene? Only one. Macnae. Because- <laughs> I didn't write that. <laughs> we know, we know how you like to cheat. Um, yes, so- I
0: struggle with that so much.
2: <laughs> All right, it, it actually so I cannot believe you wrote that. Yes, you can only pick one K drama. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that wasn't me. I know. I- all right my one of my one of my favorite scenes oh gosh guys okay episode six right yeah because you know how in episode eight there was (laughs) I'm (laughs) i'm kidding okay um i actually think the scene at the wedding was so beautiful it is like the two um rangju and um mocha coming together and you get this this bond together of them singing like mocha is there to support her and it's just such this beautiful like really you can kind of see their relationship and then you can see um bogul whatever his name is what's his name bogul bogil bogil yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. you can see bogil watching them and like appreciating that. And I think it was just a gorgeous scene. Um and hearing her sing um anytime she sang really, I was just blown away. But that that was a really lovely scene.
0: And I think for me it's related. It's when Ronjoon is singing at the festival where Mocaws distributed the balloons. And she gets to the end of the song, and even though it's not her singing, just the way she lights up at the end, because she's recapturing that feeling of being a performer, and how it's felt to be on stage, and you can just see, I could just see how she pulled out of the rut that she'd been in, and found herself again. And just how, I mean, she literally lit up, and part of it was the gorgeous gown she was wearing, because it kind of sparkled and added to it, but it was just the whole thing, and I don't know. There was something about that moment and Mokha getting to meet her idol was awesome and seeing Ranju as her idol become the person that Mokha thought she was, even though Mokha was doing the singing. I don't know. There was something a little bit transcendent about that moment.
1: So I think for me, like you guys mention my two favorite happy scenes. <laughs> but I think for me, <laughs> one that really stood in my mind is when they are getting on the um the ship. It's not called a oh, ship. It's like the uh, the, ferry. Yeah, the, ferry. the ferry. Yes. They're getting yeah. on the ferry and he sends her off without him and goes and tries to stop his her dad. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, like her escaping her dad one way or the other. Like, even if it means I'm going to die and just drown rather than going back with him. I thought that whole scene and the abusive father, the intensity of it, all of it together was just really, really well done. I was like holding my breath, even though I knew she didn't die. Just that whole segment and then her finding the body of the dad on the beach And the breakdown and finding the potato flowers like just that whole segment of story was wonderful from start to finish. Mm -hmm. Like even though it was horrible events that happened, like it's going
3: to stick in my memories. So I, you guys have listed all the ones that I love too, but I really liked when, um, as children, when they connected and he started coming out of his shell a little bit, like when they were recording and when they went to the beach and just their, like the progression of their relationship when they were younger, um, aside from any time the park, uh, Unbin sings, like, I just love that Carrie's memory would have been mine if she hadn't picked it, but, um, the her recording and like trying to get to you know get picked and him going in and and submitting it for her and everything like that whole their relationship building and everything it was really well done and again like I said earlier the the both of the the actors that did the kids did such a good job that like those and you keep seeing it kind of in flashbacks to remind you and I just love when when he sees her and she just kind of lights up and then when he finally realizes that like oh she's like me but and he had thought she had just no cares and you know carefree and didn't have to worry about all of this stuff he had to worry about and then for him to realize that she did and that connection that he made with her was so strong and those scenes were all really well done Okay, so thanks for joining us. We'd love to hear what, your, what you thought about this episode. You can reach us on Twitter, Facebook, or on our Patreon page. The links are in our show notes.
0: We love blogging about Asian dramas, but behind the scenes, we have so much more to say, and we want to share it with you. And talk to you so much faster than typing.